What's up, everybody? Welcome to the All Sinners Podcast. Episode 189. It's Thursday. It's May 25th. Uh, we had to push things back again. A day. Again. Uh, so I was in Norman yesterday, right, bringing you coverage of Patty Gasso's midweek press conference. Uh, so we podcast on Thursday sometimes. Sue us. You guys aren't paying for this anyway. Remember, it's free. Anyway, that's Ryan Chapman. Uh, he's in more. I'm John Hoover in Tulsa. Ryan, we're going to talk a lot of recruiting today. We're going to talk uh, football, obviously, but we got some and, and baseball. We got some baseball to tell you about. Holy cow, baseball! But it is Super Regionals week in softball. We're going to be previewing the uh, Women's College World Series on next week's pod, Ryan. Yeah, we should be. We should be. I'm just thankful that I've gotten out of my writer's cave. I don't know if you guys know this, but off camera over there, it's just a dark room. It's just a cave. Uh, doing some stuff that has hit allsooners.com if you haven't seen it yet. A lot to dig into with this weekend, both the matchup with Clemson, but what it means on a larger scale, the win streak, the Sooners chasing three straight, and this being the last postseason run at Marita Hines Field. But the top level... Valerie Cagle's got a lot to study for this week, the star player for Clemson, and I just don't think she has enough support to, to up in the Sooners as they continue to quest toward three straight national championships. Yeah, uh, Cagle's really good. She might, in fact, I'm predicting she's going to win National Player of the Year. When you look at her numbers, compare them to others, she's probably going to be the National Player of the Year. Okay, that's fine. Uh, she's got, this is a 16 seed. This is the number 16 national seed. The thing about it is OU's 21 and 0 against ranked teams. So um, it might happen. It could happen at some point. It probably will happen at some point. I don't know if it's going to happen twice this weekend. I don't think OU is uh, in any danger. I don't know. We'll see. That's why they play the games. We've got some really big news here for you at allsooners.com. Um, simply put, we've hired a guy. We replaced Josh. Uh, his name is Randall Sweet. You need to follow him on Twitter at RandallSweet5. It's Sweet, S-W-E-E-T. He's from Lubbock, Texas. He played high school football there. He lives in Oklahoma City now. He graduated from OU last year, and he's going to spearhead our recruiting coverage. He's already done some really cool stuff. He's laid out a calendar of all the places he wants to travel to and go to cover events and camps and all this stuff. So uh, he's, we talked about high school games we're going to staff over dinner last night at Charleston's in Norman. That was a good deal. Good steaks. I really enjoy their stuff. Um, he's also going to do some video work. He's going to be our go-to guy for a lot of other things. So welcome, Randall. We'll have him on the podcast uh, probably sooner than later. And we got some more good news for you. It's no longer intern Ross. Ross Lovelace is uh, has joined the staff. In a, in a sense, it's like full-time work. I can't for tax purposes, say it's full-time, but he's <laughs> he's full-time now. Uh, he graduated from OU this year. He lives in Norman. He's getting married soon. He's in That wedding's going to be in Atlanta. Ryan, I'm pretty sure you're invited. Yeah, well, uh, whether Ross knows it or not, I will be in Atlanta. <laughs> I will be uh, happy to show him the ropes if he needs it uh, in, in my city that I've never lived in, but I claim nonetheless. Yeah, Ross is a very talented writer. Uh, he shoots the videos. Um, he's helped us for about a year now with the football and all kinds of other stuff. His versatility is going to be invaluable for us as we ramp up our recruiting coverage, our football coverage, as well as all the other sports. So you'll see me sitting up high on the hill while All Sooners has got three guys with boots on the ground in Norman just about every day. It's It's been nice, and it's uh, 
as someone, this season is always very stressful for me because we are ramping up softball coverage as there's a huge demand for it. And years past, it's a, hey, covering a super on Saturday and then diving straight into some recruiting stuff on Sunday and Monday, and then you're back to World Series Media Day. So having extra hands is important. And having more than that, though, the talent that we've brought in, I'm really excited about that just because it's not just a, hey, somebody else to to carry the load. Like We've got some real grinders, guys that know how to work, and uh, a real nice young perspective that that should keep us nice and fresh and, and continue to push the boundaries of what we do here at All Suitors. I'm excited about it. I love it when Ryan talks about a young perspective from somebody else. Ryan, what are you, 26? Almost 27? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of gray hairs, though. So. Anyway, okay, so I'm starting to stress you out enough that you're getting Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Good. Exactly. Gray hairs <laughs> add character. Let's get into some of that softball. Went to the uh, Patty Gasso presser yesterday. Uh, Tiari Jennings was our player, uh, was our guest player, I guess. Um, supposed to be Haley Lee, but for some reason they had a little switch up and, and Tiari came in. She's great, as always. But Patty sat down and basically she said uh, she was talking about the weekend, you know, when they beat the, the regional competition 38-3. to They were the only regional last week that run-rolled all three opponents. Holy cats. They are playing at an extremely high level right now. But Patty comes in. Uh, it's 245 press conference. She shows up about 255, 258, almost 3 o'clock. And she said, I'm running out of things to work on with this team. That's why I'm 15 minutes late for the press conference. Think about that, Ryan. You're getting ready to play the 16 national seed. You're hosting a Super Regional. College World Series is a week away. And as a coach, you're, you're looking for things to work on because your team has been so freaking good. Yeah, it's a good spot to be in, and it's why I'd love to, and, and there just hasn't been the correct time and place to, to get like the kind of answer that we'd want, the insightful one. But I'd love to really pick Patty Gasso's brain about, when I started covering her two years ago in 2021, she had talked about how she's found a healthier balance, a way that she's a fierce competitor but it doesn't spill over into stressing out her home life. She's able to enjoy time with her husband, with the kids, with the grandkids, things like that. She's been able to find that work-life balance. It feels like, though, the way she's talked about this team over and over, and, and if you go back, if you happen to watch our post-game press conference that we always have at AllSooners.com after game two of the Texas series where Oklahoma was down and, and Jada Coleman hits the big home run, they come back. Same thing with Bedlam game two. Patty Gasso... We always ask the, what was those conversations like? What's happening? And Patty's like, I just remain calm so the team doesn't panic. Outside of that, they are having those conversations. This team almost, the culture propagates itself as far as the, the older heads on the team going to the young players immediately and being like, this is how we do things. This is how we do things. And, and I almost wonder for Patty, it's not easier by any means, but how much of what she used to have to do setting the tone is now done by her seniors and her juniors and things like that. I wonder if that would make it easier for Patty Gasso to say, well, I might've thought that I wanted to coach for X number of years, but you add three or four because the team's doing so much of that work as well. It's a testament to just a coaching staff that can build that kind of culture. It's, it's fun to watch. Right. So yesterday uh, when the press conference got over, just to give you an illustration of what Ryan's talking about with the homework balance or the work home life balance, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
so her husband, Jim, got a job at, got a head coaching job at Mid-American Christian University. Yesterday, it was announced that he hired uh, Kalani Ricketts. Holy cow, turning into um, OU Sooner Softball North, right? So that's really cool. And she, you know, applauded him previously. She talked about it last week, I think, about how he was, you know, he supported her all these years and he's given her sacrificed so much for her career. Now he's getting his shot, you know, at that little, you know, advanced age or whatever you want to call it. He's, he's stepping into being a head softball coach. It's awesome. So after the press conference yesterday, um, her grandkids come in the room, right? It's the, it's the team room. So it's kind of spread out and there's furniture everywhere and there's tables and chairs. And it's, so the kids are trying not to bump their heads and they're moving over to grandma and she bends over to pick him up right as I'm walking up to her. And I'm telling her at that moment, Patty, congratulations on Jim. I didn't get to say it last week, but that's really awesome. And she's got like a, ba- a grandbaby kicking her in the mouth. And she's <laughs> holding him up in the air like this, like Simba, right? And she's like, and the kid's like climbing on her face. And she's like, I'm sorry, what? Sorry. Congratulations on Jim. It was such a a human moment. It was one of those moments where it's just like, you understand this is a grandma. You understand this is a a wife of of so many years as a family woman who's given so much to other people's daughters. And now she's taken a few minutes to, to soak in this moment with a granddaughter. I thought it was priceless. And I, I was so like, Stuff like that happens to me all the time where I start to make a point to somebody or I start to congratulate someone, say something, and, and something weird happens. And it's like, okay, never mind. I'm, I'm intruding. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. But you've had that moment uh, Saturday after the win over Missouri. If you watch that video on All Sooners, she had her grandson in there in the postgame press conference. Uh, I clipped off. I, I think that Coach Gas would appreciate it. The front part where he was having some fun with the microphones. Um, Jordy Ball and Sydney Sanders. That again were, yesterday, by the way. Yeah, he came and uh, grabbed a microphone, and started talking about dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, Jordy Ball and Sydney Sanders in that moment were trying their best to keep it together, and you can tell that that Coach Gasso, she was like, "We're going to get through this. It's going to be totally fine if we just ignore what's happening here. Then maybe it won't continue to happen." There have been certain times across the year too. Uh, I remember one press conference earlier this year. I think it was Nicole May sitting alongside Patty Gasso, and one of the grandkids was sitting under the table, so you couldn't see them on camera. And if the players were like looking down, just like shh. So it, it's it's a ton of fun, and and that's something that obviously just they moved to Love's Field. Like the clubhouse is cramped. You, we've talked about this a lot. That trophies are literally sitting on shelves and desks under TVs and in between trash cans, things like that. <laughs> And it, it that is where the coach's office, that's where Patty Gasso invites in her family, invites the family, the coaching staff to kind of be. So all the more uh, a perfect illustration of it's the family atmosphere. And the story we talked about or that we ran today on allsooners.com talking about Marina Hinesfield. I thought Nicole Mendez, who talked to me, she put it best of Marina Hinesfield right now is a house. And when your family grows, you just need a bigger house. It doesn't mean you don't love that old house. It doesn't mean you don't have incredible memories, but you're ready to get a little bit more square footage, a little bit more expansion as, as Oklahoma heads into this new era, the Loves Field era uh, here coming in 2024. The way Patty described that yesterday, we'll, we'll get on to Marita Hines here in a second. Um, the way she described it yesterday is when they were at Reeves Park, it was like playing basketball on a blacktop. Now we're, we've been playing, we got to move to, to Marita Hines Field. 
it's a gymnasium. We got where it's closed and we got windows and we can, you know, wooden floor. And oh my gosh, it's so nice. She said, now we're moving into a castle. <laughs> so that's how important Love's Field is. Pretty huge. Hey, uh, I'll just do this for the uh, podcast listeners. I'm wagging my finger like a big old Dikembe Mutombo. That's exactly what I thought when she was doing it. She got the question about the 47 straight. They're at 46 right now. If they go 2-0 and in this regional, they'll be 48. 48 is the all-time record. 48 would be the new all-time record. 47 currently held by Arizona is currently the record. She's giving you the finger wag. Why? Because she don't care. She does not care. She got no time for your winning streak talk. Um, they're 54 and one. They've won 46 in a row. They're 21 and 0, as I said, against ranked teams. They outscored their first two opponents last week, 22 nothing. This is their 13th straight super regional. That leads the nation. This is their 29th straight NCAA. Ryan, fifth straight year to host. She- should Patty embrace this record talk? I mean, she's going to do what she's going to do. She's the wizard. Who are we to question her? But why not embrace it? Are you, she said before, this team's not afraid to lose. Yeah, I I think it would almost, though, go against everything that, that Patty Gasso preaches to that team. And, and that happens on normal years of... They don't talk about anybody else, right? That's come up a couple of times. I tried to ask her at the first day of the Big 12 tournament when there was chaos and it felt like all the lower seeds. I was like, did that get the attention of the team or whatever? And Patty was like, no, because we didn't talk about it. We just talked about Oklahoma and what Oklahoma needs to do. Same thing. uh, She was asked, uh, I think after game two, maybe, of regional play, basically, hey, chaos everywhere alluding to UCLA going to and out in their regional stuff like that. And Patty Gass was like, yeah, I, I haven't really watched everything else that's going on. And she immediately pivoted to all I know is that, you know, Utah's a game away from hosting a super. Cause that's where DJ Gasso is the hitting coach and Paige Parker's on that staff. So to embrace the streak, like if Oklahoma wins a national championship, if Oklahoma goes 2-0 and and then rolls through and doesn't lose at the Women's College World Series, I bet there will be a moment where she talks about the streak. Why? Because it led to a Big 12 championship, regular season, postseason, and national championship. And that's what Patty Gasso cares about. If Oklahoma loses at any point along the way and still wins a national title, I'm sure that once that trophy is in her hand, she'll be happy to talk about, yeah, okay, now the streak's cool. You know what I mean? But until that moment, I think it would almost be a weird – turn away from what has made this team so successful it's that big thing of just because you're on a streak what do you do you do all the same things you've been doing that entire time to make sure you continue to push that thing forward I I think it would almost be weird at at any point other than her just saying oh that's a big number I know it because you guys ask me about it every time you see me uh she she mentioned it yesterday of course um you know for records the way she said it it would be a record what does that do for us? Records are made to be broken. You know, home run records she went through uh, with Lauren Chamberlain and Jocelyn Allo. She went through that. And, and I asked TRA in a kind of a roundabout way, I said, uh, you know, about the record. Um, I said, so you've won all these games in a row going all the way back to that Baylor game. You, your coach says you're not afraid to lose, yet you, you point at that Baylor game and you haven't lost since. Did that Baylor game kind of tick you guys off? Did it kind of reset you? And she's like, oh, absolutely, 100%. It reset us, refocused us, made us mad, whatever you want to call it. So they have that perspective. They understand the winning streak is important. Uh, it's not as important as holding that trophy up at the end of the year, but 
you know, it is what it is. Let's talk about the games, Ryan. Uh, game one is 1 p.m. Friday, according to the game notes that I just looked at this morning, right? It hasn't been changed to four. It's not going to be on Thursday, right? That's today. I mean, 1 p.m. Friday, 16 seed, 16 national seed Clemson is coming to town. As of right now, the game's going to be on ESPN2. Then you'll have the nooner on Saturday. No if game scheduled or timing on Sunday. But it'll be really interesting. We mentioned it earlier. We alluded to it at the top. The huge storyline here is Oklahoma. What are they? A pitching staff. They've got three pitchers plus the addition of Kirsten Deal. So now they've got four, right, that are the top ERA in the country, team ERA. What can they do? It's three pitchers in Jordy Ball, Nicole May, Alex Strzokka. That would be aces on any other staff. You've got Oklahoma's lineup, and I usually say one through nine because that's who starts. But when you're preparing for Oklahoma, you've got to prepare like one through 12 because you don't know between Sophia Nugent pitching opportunities, Grace Green pitching opportunities, who's going to be in right field, Jocelyn Erickson, Alina Torres, Sidney Sanders at first, how all that comes together. That is what teams normally have to prepare for. Valerie Cagle is Clemson's ace. She will have to do all the video work for her pitching aspect of her game on Oklahoma 1 through 12. She'll then have to turn around and as a hitter do all of the studying on Oklahoma's pitching staff 1 through 4. It is a huge, huge task to ask about Cagle. And you may say, Ryan, Clemson have eight other players in the field, eight other batters in the lineup. The fact of the matter is, yes, they have high points. They have have a good lineup. You don't earn a national seed. But it's going to end with Cagle. Good, bad, anyway. And you saw that when Clemson played the top competition toward the back end of the year, swept by Florida State, the three seed. Virginia Tech is been ranked and poking around a seed the last couple of years. Not as good this year as they have been in years past. Virginia Tech won two of three off of Clemson. Duke in the ACC tournament won that game, and I believe it was the semifinals. That is why Clemson, with this huge record, is a 16 seed as opposed to an 8, 9, 10, because they didn't really test themselves in the non-conference. A win over Northwestern here and there, but it was a pretty lax non-conference, and they didn't deliver the business into the ACC schedule. So, that's where Cagle comes in. If she can rise up and find a way to quiet the OU bats three times through the lineup on Friday and then three times through the lineup on Saturday and then probably three times through the lineup on Sunday, let's be honest, if Clemson's going to win this thing. That's a tall task. We haven't seen it. And and I just think back to John. This this reminds me two years ago. Yeah. Gabby Plain in Washington coming in. She's the ace. That. I was going to right? What a reward for the number one overall seed. You got the uh, a person who's – almost or going to be the national player of the year waiting in the second round. Yeah. Yeah. And so the difference there is that first off, Gabby Plain couldn't handle the lineup through multiple times. She didn't have to hit either. She was only focused on pitching. That's what I'm so fascinated about. I can't wait when lose straw, however it pans out to be able to kind of ask Kegel some of those questions about what is this week like of prep been? I, I know that you're used to it pitching and hitting, but you don't pitch against a lineup like this, and you don't hit against a pitching staff like this every day. Ryan, what you're saying, I completely agree with, uh, but our role here is to discuss and debate, so I'm going to play devil's advocate, right? In this particular case, OU's bugaboo this season has been specifically leaving runners on base 
and sometimes getting runners thrown out on base that you're just like, what, what just happened? Why is that runner out? That's been a, that's been the one minor complaint about this team is, uh, is getting runners on base and not being able to move them 14 in one, one game, I think, uh, 20, yeah. 22, 26 for the weekend in one series. Um, when you have a picture of Kegel's magnitude and that starts to pile up, that starts to get contagious. Listen, I, I opened the show by saying they're as hot as anybody in the country. They're the only team in the country right now to run rule three opponents in the regional. I'm not saying OU's going to lose, but that's why they play the games. It's called sports for a reason. Can this happen, Ryan? Yeah, it, it can. Absolutely. And that was, that Bedlam series you're alluding to, yeah. Game one, 14 runners on base. I think it ended up being 32 across the wow. three games. And Oklahoma almost lost one of those games. The flip side of that, it, it absolutely can happen. The flip side of that is that Oklahoma, against the number six seed in the country, left 32 runners on base and swept them <laughs> in their house. You know what I mean? That's, that, that's what becomes the, okay, you're, you're trying to pick nits. You're trying to have the debate and the conversation. And that, frankly, when I think that's why Patty Gasso has been so happy because – Pitching has been on point all year long. The fielding has been excellent. They're putting together one of the best fielding percentages in Patty Gasso's tenure. Um, so that's a testament to both the hitting or the fielding and the pitching, excuse me. But when you go back to start of the Big 12 tournament, OU did not have that issue with Iowa State. And it resembled the gaudy, inevitable Oklahoma lineup of 2022 that was just putting 10 runs up in two innings. Yeah. They didn't leave a ton of runners on against Texas. You don't get 11-0, 11-0, 16-3 in the NCAA tournament without cashing in on those runners. And we saw that, right? They did it. That was the impressive thing about that win over Cal Johns. They did it in two ways. In the first inning, Jada Coleman strikes out looking. She was not happy about the call. Patty Gasso was not happy about the call. But they then reeled off six straight hits to put six runs on the board. Four of those were home runs. For any other team in the country, you're like, wow, let's write a thousand words on that. That's an unbelievable thing that occurred. They came back in the third inning and put seven runs up, and they only needed one home run to do that. So you had it both ways. It was the power in the first inning. In the third inning, it was that just continually making good contact, putting the ball in play, moving runners around. That's what's been different these last two weeks than really the rest of the season. I think that's why Patty Gasso is so happy and has so many of those comments like, I, I don't know what else to drill. Right, yeah. Uh, real quick before we wrap up the segment, uh, OU's got three hitters slugging over 800 they've got seven hitters slugging over 700 plus they've got four pitchers with earn run averages under 1.1 jordy has the the highest earn era at uh, 1.1 and they have for the season that's what's their record 54 and one in 55 games they have i hope i don't jinx this I, I hate saying stuff like this it's the announcer jinx coming up they have 14 errors in 55 games it's, and and not just that, but they're making diving plays, over the shoulder catches, sliding out. It's unbelievable. This team, there's no more words, Ryan, to to talk about uh, how great they are. So we'll move on to something boring like recruiting. We got a ton of recruiting news next. It's been a weird week for Oklahoma recruiting, like really weird. You're not going to want to miss this. That's all next on the All Sooners podcast. Hey guys, John Hoover for Trade Pros. Listen, they got something special going on at Trade Pros. It's the All-Star Service Agreement. Sign up now for just 25 bucks a month and the guys at Trade Pros will come out twice a year for routine maintenance. Plus, you get up to two pounds of Freon every year at no charge. And get this, if your heating or air unit needs work, 
It's not going to cost you anything if the repair is less than $500. And if it's more than $500, your cost comes in at just 25% of the Trade Pro's price. It's the All-Star Service Program. Some conditions apply, so give the guys at Trade Pros a call, 405-639-9991, or hit them up on the website, tradeprosokc.com. On Twitter, you can give us a follow at all underscore Sooners. Uh, you can find me at John E. Hoover. Ryan is over there at underscore Ryan Chapman. Follow Ross at Ross Lovelace. And Randall, our new guy, is at Randall Sweet 5. That's S-W-E-E-T. Follow him for all the latest recruiting news. Our website is allsooners.com. We're a foundation affiliate, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Remember, All Sooners is free, no memberships, no signups, no usernames, no emails, no passwords, no credit cards needed. Allsooners.com. Just click on it and go. Okay, speaking of recruiting, Ryan, holy crap, what a week for the Sooners. Uh, Zadavian Sims went to Oregon. I guess that's kind of the, 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 that's it. That's all we need to say. On to segment three. In just a minute, we'll take a break. No, I'm kidding. Um, so Randall was there. Randall covered the uh, it was a C4 Sports Performance Pro Day. So a bunch of C4 athletes who trained down there with Sean Cooper and Durant were having a pro day, getting together, putting up some numbers for Zadavian Sims, aka Day Day. Um, I don't think OU fans are going to call him that very much from this point forward. Uh, it was a big loss. It was a big loss for OU because he went to Oregon. And the reason it was a big loss, two reasons. He painted the picture for a lot of OU coaches, reportedly. Uh, I wasn't there. He didn't tell me what he told the OU coaches. But OU coaches have told other people that he said he was coming to Oklahoma. I'm coming to Oklahoma. He was ready. He actually said I was ready to commit at the last minute, changed my mind, went to, went to Oregon. Okay, I get it. Recruiting is weird. The other reason it's a big loss is he was supposed to be that first kind of link in the chain for that defensive line, Ryan, uh, for a lot of other guys to follow suit, a lot of big defensive linemen, four stars and five star guys to follow suit and get in there with him. That may yet happen. That second part may yet happen. But number one, there's talk of he lied, he misled, or he just got the organ bag at the last minute. I don't know. Um, but in terms of starting a chain reaction to get a bunch of big D linemen in there like David Stone, Will, Winnery, and people like that. Uh, can that, that's, that can still happen, but holy cow, Ryan, this kid's from Durant, Oklahoma, grew up, didn't grow up a Sooner fan, but he's been a Sooner kind of paying real close attention to him lately. It's a big loss. Yeah. And I'd say that other point that you just hit on right there is it's an Oklahoma kid. We heard so much about the staff and the work that they wanted to do in state and all that. And so the big first marquee type player that they had been here for enough recruiting cycles to really get a run at picks Oregon, which is just one of those situations where I don't think it's indictment on the work the staff is doing or things like that. It's just a, in the momentum sphere that it's not what you want, but there's still plenty of chips on the pieces on the board, chips on the table, however you want to call it, as far as this defensive line class. If you remember last year, there was a time in the summer where it was like, man, if Oklahoma draws an inside straight, this could be the best defensive line class they have ever signed. 
Well, they didn't end up with all those guys. You know what? It was still a really, really good defensive line class that that was coming to Oklahoma. Um, Frankly, I haven't watched any of these guys in person for this class. Sims is my lowest priority if I'm just going off of what I've seen film-wise from kind of the the guys that they're in the mix with. Uh, He's a guy that questions about where would he fit along the defensive line, things like that. That's all fine. But it's still supposed to be that first, like you mentioned, that first domino to fall, and it didn't. And then on the other side of it, something that has nothing to do with the coaching staff or the recruit or anyone involved, but if you head over to the free application, the free website that is twitter.com, message boards geniuses, which um, if you don't know about it, it basically is just screenshotting the most outlandish takes from message boards. Well, the reaction to him picking Oregon, there were a few message board members that had some really ugly things to say. And then that got passed around some of those defensive line recruits that Oklahoma is chasing. And this is not an Oklahoma problem. This is every anonymous message board has wackos for every school across the country. But it was Oklahoma and a a guy that didn't pick Oklahoma that happened to be the center of that. I would hope that the recruits understand this is just the ugly side of anonymous profiles in society online. But it then became a thing of, if this is being passed around, is this something the coaching staff is going to have to address in recruitment? Hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it was – okay, so Message Board Geniuses is a Twitter account that is meant to find the wildest, craziest, most outlandish, most offensive takes. And then they put them – they screenshot them and they put them in a tweet and they send it out and say, isn't this funny? Look how people are on Message Boards. Yes. Okay. It's funny. It's stupid. It's offensive. It's, it's ridiculous. And it's not necessary. People don't need to act like that on message boards that they pay for or on Twitter account, a free Twitter account that they don't pay for. Don't act like that. Don't call, don't say stuff like that to a 16 year old kid. Grow up is what I want to say to the message board geniuses out there. Right. Um, and, and yes, all fan bases have those certifiable psychos who say stuff like that. Every fan base has them. Um, I don't think it's really an indictment. It's what I saw the next day was here's what OU fans said after losing a recruit. And here's what Notre Dame fans said after losing a recruit. You know, it's like, okay, when it happens, uh, the bad seeds come out, the bad elements come out. Um, So you've got Sims who reacted to it. David Stone reacted to it. I think Nigel Smith reacted to it. Um, I don't know if Will Nawari did or not. I don't think so, Wanneri. Um, but Jeff McCoy did. Yeah, McCoy and I think reacted to it, and he said, "You guys don't be listening to these people. Don't take advice from people that you would don't don't take criticism from people you wouldn't take advice from." I saw that today as well. Yeah, and I think it was Nawari who put out like, "This is not me saying I'm not considering Oklahoma or anything like that." It was more just calling out stupid people for being stupid, yeah. which I think is the general feel, but. Nobody wants their fan base, the name Oklahoma or Oklahoma boards, being the example of top defensive line recruits saying, these people are stupid, don't be stupid like them. Yeah. Again, I I think that recruits who get that feedback the whole way, I think they understand that it's the fringe, stuff like that. But again, everyone can admit it'd be easier if it's everyone pointing at Texas fans and being like, yes, this is dumb. <laughs> Don't be dumb. I think everyone can admit that that's 
a little anxiety that would seep in of like, yeah, it's dumb, but those are idiots that have my team shirt on it or whatever. I have the same thing when uh, Raiders fans get into fights in the parking lot. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you. Why? <laughs> I feel you. Um, so Sean Cooper runs C4. He's a, he's a trainer. He owns and operates part owner, I guess, on operates uh, C4. And uh, he's a guy that, if he could, if it was allowed, if it was in his best interest and all that, if all things being equal, I think he would prefer to send guys to OU. I think he would prefer that. I don't know that he's an OU fan or an OU hater. I don't have any idea. I think he would prefer that local kids go to local schools. I think if he, if you asked him, I think that would be his preference. So why does the number one player in the state last year, by Joe, go to Michigan State? Why does the number one player in the state this year go to Oregon, right? I mean – can Oklahoma start blackballing C4 kids, right? Uh, Elijah Green just got an offer. Tristan Haynes just got an offer from Alabama. Uh, Xavier Robinson, running back. Um, Kevin Sperry is a C4 kid. Kevin Sperry, the 2025 quarterback. You can't just not recruit C4 athletes. You can't just draw a line and say, no more C4 guys. No more Sean Cooper guys in my program. If you're Brent Venables, you can't do that. You've already got guys who are committed who have that tie. Uh, it's a it's a slippery slope, and it's you know some thin ice, I guess, is another way to put it. But you can't punish those guys to get to Sean Cooper for sending guys to Michigan State and Oregon and so on and so forth. You got to be more cautious about your offers, but at the same time, you can't punish those kids. Yeah, it, Sean's just trading athletes, and they're getting recruited. And I, I would bet his top thing is he wants to train them and help get the most out of them, so that they have every opportunity in the world, whether that's at Oklahoma or Michigan State or Oregon, they're just opportunities to play a game that they really enjoy, go be in a place that feels like home to them, and and hopefully for these kids it can be life-changing development if they can make it to the league and make that kind of money, things like that. Um, if you just look at it, there are reasons in everyone. Like If you want to dive in, by Job's one that's not like born and raised in Norman, Oklahoma. Like it, it's not that story, right? It, it's not a same with uh, Sims. He's a move in as well. During yeah, that. and so if you look through it, there's context to, to be found with all of this. Uh, so just a blanket, put it on one spot is kind of silly. It's like we're Oklahoma fans saying, you know what? When Peyton Bowen picked Oregon, you can't recruit anyone from Denton ever. Right? No. No, it's the same thing, but instead of just one high school, it's just a, a training center. Yeah, I get the I get the sense that Todd Bates and Brent Venables felt misled in this whole process, and and other coaches as well. Misled, you lied to me, whatever it is. They're they're mad at him. They've cut ties with with Zadavian Sims. They they're not going to continue recruiting him. Uh, apparently, in the future, if there's a uh, if there's an opportunity in the transfer portal, I'm hearing that they may cut cut that off as well. You know, if he wants to come back home, play it. OU. Nope. Not having it. I've heard that. You can take that stance with, uh, with a kid. If you feel wronged, misled, lied to whatever, you know, um, you, as the football coach at the university of Oklahoma, you have a lot of prerogative <laughs> and that's one of them. Uh, but you mentioned it, man. You mentioned the name Peyton Bowen. He did it to Notre Dame. And then he did it to Oregon, and this was less than a year ago. So I don't understand why people are just get so upset when 
a guy just did that to two other schools and came to your school. And now you're mad at somebody else who comes to your school and then does it to your school and goes to go. People just take a breath, calm down. December's a long way away. Long way. Long way. It's one of those things. Now here's the development uh, is uh, the next day we, we read the, uh, the OU insider and, and Parker Thune says Sims told him, that Stone's coming with me. He's going to be a duck. David Stone. And David Stone, as we know from uh, Tuesday night, when Randall got him at the Westmore spring game, David Stone said, nah, I'm just chilling. He told Randall that, I'm just chilling. I'm not doing interviews tonight, not posing for photos, not doing videos. So we tried to get him on the record, but uh, apparently he told Parker that, or I'm sorry, apparently Sims told Parker that Stone's coming with me to Oregon. That would be something. That would be. I would also caution everyone as well of the, this is the tale as old as time in recruiting. <laughs> the And usually it's the two teammates. I know that Oklahoma just had two teammates that, that popped up in Arnold and Bowen, but uh, recruiting's a long way away. At some point, everyone has to sit down and, and make that decision for themselves. It could be Oregon, and I have full faith that if it is Oregon, because David Stone has a huge laundry list of reasons why he would feel best at Oregon. Yeah. And then, oh, Sims is also there. You know what I'm mm-hmm. one of those things, as opposed to, nope, my buddy made my decision for me. <laughs> I'm out. I, I I I would be stunned if that is the, the root reason. Oh, you fans right now are like, please, no more Oklahoma elite kids going to other schools, especially Oregon. That's what they're saying. Um, Dan Dan Lanning is very aware of this rivalry that needs to be reborn. It was we thought we had buried the yeah. hatchet after the yeah. Alamo Bowl. <laughs> hatchet back out. It's it's been excavated. The hatchet is is in hand. It's gotten ugly in the recruiting world for sure. Uh, better than better than just about any of those games except maybe that 2006 game. Although the the uh, 2005 bowl game, the Holiday Bowl, was really good too. Um. Shall we say? Shall we pour one out for Lane Jenkins? Farewell, Lane Jenkins. We hardly knew ye. Uh, JUCO defensive end from Butler County Community College, committed to OU on May 16th. After he got his offer from OU on May 16th, he got a bunch of offers on May 16th. OU, Iowa State, Illinois. But he verbally commits out of that group to the one that he liked the most, Oklahoma. But it sounds like if I'm in Brent Venable's head, right? Sounds like he just tried to make a reservation. Hey, we ain't taking reservations. That's what Brent says. Uh, Brent is like a lot of restaurants around here these days. He doesn't take reservations, right? Um, so he pulled the offer. He, he said, you go to Illinois. The kid wanted to visit Illinois. He's from the Chicago area, which is two hours north of Champaign. He says, I want to go visit Illinois. My mom's living there. I want to go see her. I want to spend some. Hey, you go to Illinois. And we're pulling the offer. Come on, coach. I'm going to, going to visit. Okay. Offer's been rescinded. Brent doesn't play around with these. He did the same thing to Ashton Cozart last year, four-star from Fort Worth who wanted to go to OU, took that Oregon visit. Brent pulled the offer. He ended up signing with Oregon. Yeah, and, and it's the – feels like Brent Venables has been pretty clear on it, and I know that um, Ari Wasserman for The Athletic somehow, some way has yeah, changed his mind after talking with Brent, despite the fact that Brent said literally the exact same thing he said to us a billion times, which right. is – I'm not anti-visit. Take all of them. Take as many as you want, as many Do as you can. Do not commit. Exactly. Just 
when you're done with that era period of your recruitment and you want to sit down and commit, that's when we can talk about that part of it. And feels like Brent Venables has been as clear as day. And uh, I don't know if it just needs to be a, there are two or three more of these stories until recruits realize, oh no, Brent Venables is of all people. He's the guy that like what he says is what he means. He's pretty clear about that. And if you try to take other visits, Brent Venables is going to say, Okay, cool. You're not committed. Thanks. Yep. Appreciate you. Yep. Now, here's the deal, Ryan. Uh, you and I, like, we could do, like, the Stephen A thing where you take one side of the debate and I take the other side, and we can sit here and yell at each other for probably an hour over the policy that Brent Venables has implemented, right? Um, that piece in The Athletic where he was – it was a and a with Brent and Ari Wasserman back and forth. Fair? Not fair. What about this? Why do you do this? What about that? And Brent answered every one of them, and – he made a believer out of out of the writer, made a believer out of me again, even though, like you said, we heard pretty much the exact same thing. But bottom line is Brent Venable's policy is Brent Venable's policy. Is it fair? Who cares? Is it right? Who cares? That's the policy that he's implemented. Uh, I don't know how and this I'm just, again, being devil's advocate here. I'm not calling out Brent or anything else. If David Stone commits to OU and then wants to go visit Oregon, is Brent pulling that offer, right? Five-star defensive lineman. You need five-star. If you're going to compete in the SEC and win a national championship, guess what you need? You need a quarterback, and you need five-star defensive linemen. Um, not saying you can't get five-star defensive linemen if if your local kid goes, you know, your Oklahoma City kid who's at IMG, if he goes to Oregon. Not saying you can't get them. You can, you can still get them. But I guess bottom line, Brent tells those guys, or he, he says he tells those guys, we're not in the meetings when he's recruiting them, but he says he tells them, as I said, do not commit. Take your time, take your visits, have a good time, date, uh, flirt, you know, bat your eyes, uh, whatever, whatever you want to call it. But when you're ready to begin that 40-year relationship, that commitment to Oklahoma, then call me because Venables doesn't want to hold your reservation. Yeah, and it's look, just everything equal, everything on the table. I would not, if I were head coach, have this policy. I think it just adds extra hurdles, right? But Brent Venables, the way he's talking about it, he's been so consistent about it and so consistent about this gets laid out ahead of time. That's no surprise, nothing whatsoever. If you lay out expectations to me, if you're my boss and you lay out, hey, I need this to happen at this time, and I say, well, I don't know, you're like, cool, listen to it, all that. At this time, this is when this needs to happen. My expectation is if I don't have it done and Dustin ready to go at that time, I'm going to get a text. Where is this? I thought we talked about it. like that. That's just what it is, whether you agree with it or not. Um, and it's it's been pr- laid out pretty simple. And again, I, I don't think this is take opportunity away from kids. Anything Brent Venables will tell you, take all the visits. I am pro visit. Do all of that and then come back and talk. Uh, I don't know where that gets lost in translation. He's been pretty clear to us, and I understand the policy totally. Uh, it, it seems pretty cut and dry. My favorite part of that interview was, um, hey, what about when a kid is committed somewhere else and he's visiting Oklahoma, you let him visit? And Brent's response is, obviously he's not committed to that place. If he's right. taking visits to us, he's not committed to them. You know, there's a difference. And Ari's like, well, I guess it makes sense. So <laughs> it does. It makes sense. Hey, uh, we got to scoot uh, this segment. We're going to finish up with a little more football recruiting. And, hey, would you look at that? Yo, you baseball team went and did it again. We'll tell you all about it next on the All Sooners podcast.
Hey, are you a business owner looking to get your product out there to the masses? Let's say you run a hotel in Norman or a car dealership in Oklahoma City or a restaurant in Edmond. Or maybe you're a small online business who creates and sells OU merchandise and you just want Sooner Nation to come sample your wares. Well, then consider advertising in this space right here on the SI Sooners podcast. SI Sooners reaches thousands of readers, viewers, and listeners literally every day. And the SI Sooners podcast is the ideal place to find your next customer. To advertise, send an email to allsoonerssi at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter at all underscore Sooners. Final segment of the All Sooners podcast. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you guys would drop us a rating. If you like the pod, please drop us a five-star rating. Five-star ratings are awesome. Uh, you can like us. You can share us on social media. Anything you can do, any kind of interaction helps our visibility, helps us get our message out there to more Sooner fans. And, of course, if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Mash that like button. Uh, leave us a comment, too, because those are always fun. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on it, but we need to discuss the OU baseball team. Holy crap. Last night, defending Big 12 tournament champs, right? They got hot at the right time last year. Uh-oh, here we go again. They get matched up against number two seed Oklahoma State in the first round yesterday. Down in Arlington, Big 12 tournament, which should be in Oklahoma City. That's another pod. They've been routed by the Cowboys three times in four games this year. What do they do? Bam, they jump out to a 7-0 lead, man. I don't know exactly what this does for OU's NCAA tournament hopes, Ryan. Baseball America forecasted OU as a three seed, uh, I think in Charlottesville. That was before they beat Oklahoma State. D1 Baseball predicts OU as a three seed in Fayetteville. Again, before last night. So, <laughs> I guess things are looking pretty good for OU Baseball to make the NCAA tournament again. Yeah, if I think, and again, a lot apologies. A lot of these run together. There are a lot of outlets that, that cover baseball and project the tournament. But I think it was D1 Baseball that I was looking at this morning. They had Oklahoma in the last four in, and then as a three seed in Fayetteville coming into the Big 12 tournament. They did do an update this morning where the Sooners are still a three seed in a regional, but no longer on that last four in. So it sounds like that gave them a little bit of a cushion. Yeah. Uh, and this game kind of felt like the, the script flipping a little bit. In those three losses to Oklahoma State, what was a big part of the story hit batters, and issuing a ton of walks, giving the Cowboys free base runners for that powerful lineup to cash in on. How does the game start last night? couple of walks for the suitors that gets them out on the front foot, a big first inning, and then they just kept adding on, trying to hold off Oklahoma State from there. Um, so good discipline there. But I think the real secret, it, it's as simple as this. Skip Johnson and that bullpen love the boomstick, and when they play in Arlington, they just motor through that boomstick, that uh, the 24-inch hot dog with everything that's on it, and uh, it gives them that extra power to be able to actually last all nine innings instead of kind of fading, which has happened a lot this year. I think that that simply is the reason they have success at Globeline. That must be it. Um, Ross covered the game for us last night, and uh, reading his story, I think they walked the bases loaded in one inning and might have even, or if they had the bases loaded and then uh, drew a bases loaded walk after that uh, for an RBI. So, uh, but first, before we talk NCAA tournament, OU's got Texas Tech tonight at 7.30. Tech beat West Virginia last night 6-2 in the finale of the opening day. Uh, Tech beat OU two out of three in Norman this year. 
But as the Sooners keep proving, that doesn't matter one iota. Uh, don't be surprised if OU beats Tech tonight. If you want to watch, first pitch is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. and it'll be on ESPNU and I'm pretty sure ESPN Plus if you don't have the U. Um, okay, so, so much going on in recruiting. We couldn't fit it all into one segment. So let's go, Ryan. Part two of our recruiting dive. More on the defensive line. Will Winery, as we mentioned, visited Texas A&M last weekend. He was quoted by On3 as saying, they are up there with Oklahoma and Tennessee at the top now. Got a really good idea both te- about Texas A&M, and I liked it all. Just what OU fans needed to hear, am I right? Oh, uh, yeah. There, no bad interactions with Texas A&M. No run-ins whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> Texas A&M often labeled the Oregon of the South. Uh <laughs> A team that you're just never going to want to be in a recruiting battle with them. But look, get used to it, Oklahoma. Like, I don't want to hear it. If you want to actually be in the mix, if you think Texas A&M is bad, just wait till you're recruiting heads up against Alabama and Georgia. Those teams actually win stuff and have NIL and the whole might of that. Uh, It's just a this is going to be life in the SEC. And I think Oklahoma fans, uh, as opposed to doing the, the eye roll and going great, Texas A&M, and, and when they do that, they put the money side instead of the ampersand, all that stuff. Instead of doing that, just embrace it. This is what you're going to have to do year in, year out to land the biggest talent. And uh, eventually, the as has always been the case with Oklahoma football, if you pair the on-field success with enough resources behind the scenes, that's been all that matters anyway. And they've been wildly successful, more successful on the field than AM, certainly more successful than Texas, another team that looms. Just embrace it. it. Yes, is it stressful? Sure, whatever. But like we said earlier, December's a long way away. That's when they got to sign all that stuff. Just let Brent Venables and that crew cook. It's not going to get, it's not going to reach a point where it's over. You know, you're mad about Zadavian Sims and you, you, you may still be mad about Bajob and whoever else, right, over the years. It's going to get worse when they join the SEC. Uh, Auburn, Ole Miss, Florida, some of those schools don't pull any punches. Here's what you got to do. Somehow, some way, and I'm saying Brent Venables can't recruit, but you got to get the king involved. You got to get Barry Switzer in that fur coat out there on the recruiting trail. See if he can get some of those those big dudes, uh, defensive linemen, to come in. Here's the deal. Uh, our man Randall has been he, – he joins officially like after tomorrow – He's like full-time all the way in our man. He's been working two jobs basically, but after tomorrow he's, he, he belongs to us and we couldn't be happier to have somebody like that with the enthusiasm that he's shown for covering recruiting. He's been killing it so far and he's been part-time. So he's just getting started. He was at Sims's announcement on Saturday and Tuesday night, he was at Westmore for Michael Patterson McDonald's spring game. Introduced himself to David Stone, who, like I said earlier, understandably did not want to be interviewed. But uh, Randall did get some time with Michael. You can see that video with the highlights that he shot at All Sooners. Now, afterwards, we talked about this a little bit earlier, Ryan. Um, David Stone uh, you know, said, I don't want to be interviewed. Him and Michael reportedly, after the Sims fiasco, Went and met with Brent Venables until like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock last night. Uh, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Sorry. Would you love to be on a fly on the wall for that one? Think about that. Like Brent's like, okay, I know this just happened, but here's what's, you know, what did he say to those guys? 
Uh, I imagine the pitch is just the pitch, which is uh, I'm Brent Venables. I have one losing season ever, and that was last year. And he's been the, the first one to meet that criticism and being like, yeah, that's unacceptable, all that stuff. And he's going to do what he's done to us a bunch, which he has laid out his vision because he said you're the link to the fan base, right? You will then turn around and tell the story what that vision is. He's just doing that same exact thing, laying that that vision at the feet of the recruits. Be like, if you want in, welcome aboard. Happy to make it happen. So uh, Brent Venables has been in these recruiting battles, right, at Oklahoma. He's been in these recruiting battles at Clemson. I have full belief that whether he he lands this huge class or not or whatever, it's not going to be because he suddenly blinked at one recruiting battle not going his way. And he was in the mix in Clemson, recruiting against all those SEC schools. He, he knows what that life is, and that's part of the reason why he had talked about last offseason being so well-positioned to help transition this program into the SEC, because he's been that yep. outsider at Clemson in SEC country. You know what I think he talked about? You know what I think his pitch was? NIL, baby. NIL. Sold. That's, that's, yeah, that's what you're going against with some of these schools. Is their their collectives? There's no there's still no rules to to a large degree for what these collectives can and can't do. There's some there's and they're you know more implementing rules and Congress is getting involved and uh, there's legis there's state legislation and there's a, right now there's nothing that's saying Oregon you can't promise a recruit other than the rule that says Oregon you can't promise a recruit. What are they going to do? There's no there's no oversight. There's no you know the the NCA has been stripped and gutted. Uh, it's it's and which was an embarrassment to begin with the NCAA, but at this point, uh, OU has got to. I don't know what I don't know what I don't know how, but Ryan, on the same week, okay, we're talking about optics here, right? What matters, what's important, what reality is, and how that reality is shaped by perception, right? On the same week that you lose the Davian Sims to Oregon, there's a big press release about OU leads the nation in women's NIL opportunities. Now I had a daughter who played soccer in college. I am 1 million percent for women's sports NIL opportunities. They deserve it. They need it. But that's in terms of optics and what it looks like. It's like, look, we've got the best program for women and we just lost a four-star defensive tackle. You know what those women are also doing though? Those are the programs on campus that are winning right now. Hell yeah. Women's gym, stacking trophies. Softball, we talked about it, stacking trophies. Jenny Baranchek has as much energy in that women's basketball program since kind of the the middle of that Sherry Cole run where she was Final Four year in, year out. This is a fan base, and this is not a negative, and this is not framed as a negative, but this is a fan base that has shown you have sustained success, you will be back. You right. don't build an 80,000-seat stadium without sustained success and backing. You do not have Love's Field coming down the pike without a sustained success that has met the OU softball fever has outgrown Marita Hines Field. I have to believe that that stuff will come along. Nobody's looking to, to back, or there's not a great enthusiasm at the wide scope for a team that just went six and seven. 
Yeah, you know, what's interesting is Patty talked about that yesterday at her press conference. She mentioned that um, she mentioned that, you know, they kind of outgrew Marita Hines field almost immediately. Right. When when they signed up now here, they've been playing in this little band box with not enough seats and not enough press box stadium and not enough facilities and not enough anything for a better part of 20 years as it's too small. Right. So um, now. They're getting Love's Field. It's coming up on the. By the way, uh, we we left this part hanging. You've said it to me, and I I believe you because you're plugged in. This might not be the last game at Marita Heinz Field. If we can take a step back in softball for just a second, might be it, it'll be it'll definitely be the last postseason game at Marita Heinz Field. Might not be the last necessarily game game. Quickly. Yeah. It. it- Fall ball, like that timeline just doesn't line up. And so right. then it'll just be, I have to believe it's it's the race of just. Yeah. They're so, by the deadline of next season. There are so many factors with construction. I don't even want to like begin to guess, but it's one of those things that it's been on a tight timeline. They, I think that everyone is putting everything behind it to have that bad boy loves field opened up for the 2024 season in proper. I have to believe that it, will be by the end of 2024 games are being played in the Levis field. Yeah. That's just, I don't want to set the, like the expectation is that there's a ribbon cutting ceremony next October. And right. like that, that is, that is not unless right. they just work overtime. That's not, I don't think the expectation around anywhere. We might be subject to the weather on the completion of that bad boy. Yeah. As, as we live in the state of Oklahoma, uh, back to recruiting Joseph Jonah of John who is a four-star defensive lineman, Conroe, Texas. He's a 2024. A lot of people are predicting that he's going to choose OU for what that's worth, right? Uh, he's he's apparently moving on up. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. 24-7 Sports had him ranked. Two months ago, he was number 395 in the country. Last month, he was 248 in the country. He didn't even make the 247 Sports top 247. Today, he's number 76 in the country. Holy cats. Um, if that's accurate, think about that. That's an unbelievable jump. He's 6'4", uh, 255. He's probably going to play inside would be my pro- my projection, my guess. He's a top 10 in Texas kind of player, Ryan. Um, he's got a bunch of visits lined up starting in June. Uh, Georgia Tech, Texas Tech. OU is on June 16th. That's the champion barbecue. And then Georgia on the 23rd. Uh, but as you know, the NCAA has lifted the limit on five visits, so he'll probably take a few more than that. But that would be a big one. If you can get one of the top 100 guys in the country, and he's a defensive lineman, shout out to Georgia Tech for making that list. That, I know, right? Uh, a lot of that momentum. I was talking. Go cover about, that one, right? It's in Atlanta, so you got to go. Correct, back. correct. I will be there. I will be there. Uh, uh, a lot of that momentum for Michigan State staff got poached. Georgia Tech. Just keep an eye on Georgia Tech. Anyway, uh, I think that this just shows. How much did we talk about this last recruiting cycle, right, of Brent Venables and that coaching staff made their early evaluations. They were in on these guys. And for last recruiting cycle, it was P.J. Adebore, right, that every time the re-rankings came out, it was like, how high is P.J. going to go, right? And with what Brent Venables and Todd Bates have done at Clemson, what Brent Venables has done his entire career, Anytime Oklahoma is putting a ton of resources behind a guy, I'm just be like, I'm just going to default to Brent Venables. He's forgotten more about football yesterday than I will know. And uh, we've seen time and time again, Oklahoma not afraid to make those early evaluations. They also don't care. Like they will, if you've just had an Alabama offer and they find you and you're good, 
They're going to send that offer in. If no one has offered you anything and Brett Venables gets his eyes on you and believes that you can play, he's going to send that offer in. So it's no shock for anyone, but especially Jono Johnny, to, to, to make this huge jump. And I think that's kind of been one of those things that people have said, yeah, when you just look at him physically, just wait for this re-ranking season to come along. The springs when a lot of that kind of gets done and then head into the summer – uh, should be no shock that he's kind of shot up those boards. And, and that's why I think you see that Oklahoma is so excited and putting so much effort behind his recruitment. So we talked earlier about uh, Lane Jenkins, uh, defensive end, edge rusher uh, from Chicago, junior college, got his offer pulled because he wanted to visit. So you lost a member of the 2023 class that you never really had to begin with. You just had a commitment from a 2023 late in the process. Well, this is a, a pretty big one a 2023 that was not a late commitment, Keon Brown, wide receiver out of Florida in the 2023 class. He ain't coming. Colin Kennedy over at uh, Sooners Illustrated reported he was going to go the junior college route, and then Parker Thune at OU Insider reported he wasn't academically eligible. So that's a bummer, Ryan, and it leaves Jaquez Petaway as the only wide out in the 2023 class. And I think it, it answers a lot of questions as when we're looking at roster numbers – and going, okay, Oklahoma added um, Andrew Anthony before the spring to that wide receiver room. Then they spun around and were in on Brennan Thompson, add him. He was you know, visiting spring game weekend, immediately that weekend announces his commitment. And then it was like, wait a minute, why, why do we keep seeing Oklahoma as being his names in for um, you know, Colorado receiver, for – uh, Jordan Hudson coming out of TC stuff like that. Why is Oklahoma still in the mix? Well, they they there you go. There's that extra number as to why Oklahoma is still trying to add to that wide receiver room. Yeah, and they need it. Uh, Ross wrote the story this week about the wideouts. You know, in the in our series, the spring practice review. Right, we're reviewing every position and how it went in the spring and what it, how it projects to the summer and what's going to go on in the fall. Ross wrote the story about uh, the wide receivers need help, and this could have been a key on Brown. Could have been a guy academically speaking. If you can overlook that part, which you can't because it's college football. Uh, We're here to play school. Um, It's really unfortunate for a position group that needs help. Now, Ryan, there was a a bit of good news on the recruiting front this week. Cooper Alexander got an offer from OU. Who's Cooper Alexander, you ask? Well, Cooper Alexander is the son of Stephen Alexander, former All-Big 12 and All-Big 8 tight end, who played in the NFL for um, just about 10 years. Pretty good player in OU history, one of the best tight ends uh, ever at OU. And everybody's kind of, people that follow this are kind of predicting that Alexander's going to commit to OU. He's from Washington, Oklahoma. He grew up in and around Norman. He bleeds crimson, all that stuff. That could actually happen very soon, Ryan. Yeah, and and wondering, too, look at some of those numbers in that room that we've talked about. That's another one. Yeah, this is the perfect fit. It's not just the talent on the field, but the legacy story, right? We know that that's something that uh, if there's a coach in college football that can take a minute to step back and appreciate what having a a legacy player who can also cut it like on the field, we know that's going to be Brent Venables and his coaching staff. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly that develops, see if that becomes a thing sooner rather than later, or if it becomes a – going through the entire recruitment process. I'm very familiar with Oklahoma. I know everything I need to know about Oklahoma. That's not a negative. Going to go see other places, but uh, I do not expect it to go down that road. I expect this to be the uh, 
the Crimson and Cream story sooner rather than later. For sure. My favorite part of this story is Gavin Freeman, who got a scholarship at OU, walked on last year and now got a scholarship. His dad is Jason Freeman. Jason Freeman was Stephen Alexander's backup. And now their sons, very potentially, very likely, could be playing together at OU. How cool yeah. is that? It's... That, that's what you just get at a place like Oklahoma, right? It, it, that, that's part of the the cool factor of, of it, it kind of comes back around. And we've seen a ton of these stories, right? Sterling Shepard rolling through. Talk about Drake Stoops right now. You know what I mean? Orlando Brown. That was an incredible thing to be able to see happen and all that. Uh, so to see it continue to roll through like that, it's just one of the really cool things about this job is seeing those stories and then getting to talk to both ends of that story and how happy everyone is when it winds up uh, in instances like Gavin Freeman and, and potentially this one. Uh, Cooper Freeman uh, is teammates with Nate Roberts, who's the top player in, twenty, I think, 2025 class, tight end. How the heck does Washington, Oklahoma, produce two Division One tight ends on the same roster? That's incredible. They went 15-0 and last year. I looked at the scores. They played two close games, and they might be even better this year. OU's in the top five for Jason Zandamella, who's a top 20 type offensive lineman in the 2024 class. Kid's got more than 30 offers. His, uh, his, his list right now, his top five is Georgia, Florida State, Miami, USC, Oklahoma. That's a pretty good uh, list. 24-7 uh, Sports ranks him as the number two interior offensive lineman in the country. Dude is a beast. OU offered in January and just made his top five. Uh, Sooners also made the top 10 for Isaiah Garcia, who's an offensive tackle out of Draper, Utah. USC, Oregon, Alabama, Miami, Utah are among the schools in that group. Bill Biedenboe, he's not going away, folks. He's going to keep bringing them uh, four- and five-star offensive linemen in. He is for sure. It's just interesting to see USC pay attention to the state of Oklahoma and recruiting now. Very interesting to see how that works out. Uh but hey, no. how did USC know that? How did they know that? Hey, how did, how did they know? They didn't – well, here's the thing. USC was always ha- – or sorry, that coaching staff, always happy to recruit offensive talent in the state of Oklahoma. It was the defense that they'd rather go to the, to Texas for. Yeah. But, uh, no, Bill Biedenboe, you feel like he, he was just overjoyed. Caden Green, we talked about it when that commitment happened, that that was his highest-rated commitment technically. He finally – somehow, some way, it's easy to, to forget this, but – um, Anton Harrison became Bill Biedenboe specifically his first first rounder. Like, wow! It, as far as that, as far as guys that Biedenboe coached, that was his first first yeah, rounder. I had forgotten. Um, but strike while the iron's hot, right? He, he's shown that he is able to continue recruit on, and and that's one of those things that Oklahoma and the offensive line that that just recruits itself. You just look at the guys spread across the league. Your highest paid at one point left tackle and right tackle center long snapper <laughs> doesn't matter oklahoma is uh in the the mix there uh with the guys that they've put across the league and it's one of those things too that because bill and Bebo stayed on there are no questions about oh lincoln riley to jeff Lett. like no it's bill beanbow bill beanbow's that guy i think the latest tally is an ou offensive lineman under contract in the nfl 345 million dollars aggregate that's good right that's we can get you a piece of that gold mine Healthy living? <laughs> yeah. We'll wrap it up with this. Uh, Damon Harmon, head of North Carolina A&T. Ryan, you surprised he's dropping to the FCS level? Yeah, that was something. Um, when that happened, I was sitting right next to Bob Prisbillo, and I was like, 
I, that's a power five football player. And Bob was like, yeah, that's interesting too. But from that DB area, we, we know that, right? So a little bit closer to home, especially with the, the scary stuff that he went through. And I'm so happy he was able to get back on the field. I feel like that probably is just a big comfort level for him. So it'll be cool for him to kind of continue that football career on. But we talked about this when he hit the portal. That was a guy that I was counting on being in that too deep at safety at Oklahoma this yep. year, not – not a guy that we're sitting here going, I don't know where he's going to end up. Uh, it, he, he feels like he could have filled a, a role for a lot of places across the country. So hopefully for him, this is a comfort move that, that he's really pleased with. Yeah, it's important to be around family when you've had those kind of experiences. So wish him the best. Hey, uh, I want to thank you all for listening uh, to the All Sooners podcast. We're going to be back next week, and you can catch that one and all our shows at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. If you have an Amazon-enabled device, just say, Alexa, play the All Sooners podcast. It's also posted on our website, allsooners.com. Just click on the player, and you can listen on your phone, your tablet, or your computer. And, of course, all our shows are posted on my YouTube channel, John Hoover Media. For Ryan Chapman, I'm John Hoover. See you guys.